What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Master Mindset Podcast, a spot to get your mind right. Can't just train the body or your craft. You got to train your mind. I'm so grateful to have a dear friend for about 20 years, I think, showing our age. Uh, I have Katie Haynes, who is a psychotherapist. She's in private practice in Washington. She lives in the metropolis of the Tri-Cities. What's up, <laughs> East Side 509, where are you at? And uh, Katie was a competitive dancer in high school and college. She's an original WSU Coup Crimson girl. I mean, if we can talk about eight counts, and Katie helped me win a talent show fall of 2003. That's so right. we, did, we did a little Justin Timberlake, and we brought the house down. Katie, what's up? Oh, we did. Oh, what a good memory. Good to see How are you? you? I'm, I'm so excited. So we, we, we've been talking for months about kind of how we knew each other very closely in college, stayed in touch with our families, our you know friends. You have the coolest parents, grandparents on the planet. I'm still want to rematch, have a little gin and tonic and play some gin rummy with your dad and grandpa. But um, we've been on this separate journey where we've kind of did our own things. And then we're in this new phase of our life where we're so in tuned, aware, and our purpose is tied to like the mental well-being of ourselves and people. Like we just have this awareness that this is so critical. It's not talked about. And I'm just going to put this out there. Yeah. You are going to be the new generation Esther Perel. Can, we, can I just say that? Oh my gosh. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> we can say that. Okay, where um, relationships, um, self-love, uh, sexuality, um, confidence, healing, just all these things that like we're not really taught very well or we don't have an understanding, it's kind of taboo, but they're so critical. So maybe my first question is, let's just hear your backstory. Yeah. Let's just hear where it, where it all got started. Sure. Well, first of all, just, I mean, what an intro and just, um, yeah, you are just doing such important work and having such uh, just necessary conversations in such a cool way. And so it's just been really fun to follow you and I'm just super honored to be here. So thank you for having me. <laughs> um, grateful to have you here. Yeah, yeah. So let's see where I got started. I think I always was throughout my whole life people would come to me and kind of say, oh, I've never told anyone this. For some reason, that just continued to happen, right? So it was something I was able to somehow create a safe space and kind of hold that really sacred space when it's like, oh gosh, I, you know, I'm really being emotionally vulnerable or I'm in some kind of distress or that sort of thing. Um, and I did a lot of, you know, post- uh, school. So Wazoo, I lived over in Seattle for like just under 10 years and um, did some different jobs, some really fun jobs. But um, looking back, the one that was the most in alignment for me and was just such a good fit um, was actually at a mega church over there. So, and I was the first impressions director. So, and what that is, is like just making you feel really welcome when you show up, right? So it's like parking and coffee and greeters and ushers and that sort of thing, right? Um, but in that role, I was there for a few years and it just kept happening. Like every single day I would be with people, right? They would show up to church and really looking for, um, really in distress in a really tough time in their life and they're looking for hope, right? And so I just kept having these conversations, you know, we'd kind of find a private spot and I was able to at that time you know, just listen and, and um, support and maybe 
you know, brief solutions, that sort of thing. But then I was always referring them on. We had a great list of local counselors, you know, and, and the area uh, in Seattle. And I just was always, you know, getting them set up for ongoing therapy. And I kept thinking to myself just over and over, there was a little voice in my head where I was like, God, if I had the clinical skills, if I went back to school, this could be me. And it honestly probably should be me, right? Because I just love it so much. So that's a little bit of background, but then um, I would say my why is really just like, I've always been fascinated with just humans and, and the mind and, um, but especially resilience. Like I just am all about, it's like people and the resiliency of like the human spirit. It's like, I, I now selfishly, my why is kind of selfish, but it's like, I get a front seat. Like every single day I get a front seat to witness that in people. And it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so I love it. That's great. I love it. I'm so happy that you found your purpose, your passion and your calling. And I can feel that you're not in a job, you're in your calling. Yeah. And I think that's part of, that's part of our conversation today is you're the first therapist counselor I've had on the podcast. And it's kind of interesting because the podcast is called Master Mindset, Tools to Win the Inner Game. And I haven't had a therapist counselor <laughs> on the show. And I, what I try to do with my work is I tell people I'm not a therapist or, or a counselor. So I'm a mental skills coach, a mental performance coach. So the way I would teach it is if you're an athlete, you have the training room and the weight room. Mm -hmm. The training room is if there's an injury, soreness, you go to rehab that you are out of commission for a little bit. You're not optimizing your performance because there's something holding you back physically. So you see a trained professional to help you heal and recover. Oh, where where the, the weight room is, is prehab. It's before the competition. It's during the competition. It's to help avoid injury. It's to help you be more explosive, agile, more fit. So I, I'm like the strength coach. You're like the, 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 the personal trainer, healer, get better. So, but we're doing similar work, but different skill sets and, and different modes. So mm -hmm. I think, can we just talk about mental health? Like what is it and, and, and what is it not? Sure. Gosh, and just the whole um, kind of the world of mental health can be so confusing. Like so many of my first time clients, you know, I, I usually start there. Hey, have you ever seen anyone before? Have you ever done this before? And a lot of times I'd say probably six out of 10, seven out of 10, right? Or like, nope, never. This is my first time. You know, they're just showing up like, what is this? Um, and I ask, you know, how did you even find me, you know, that sort of thing. And psychology today is a great place to go and search, you know, if you're looking right now for a therapist, um, going on there and just taking some time and looking at everyone's, you know, bios, they've added a feature now that is videos, which I love. It's so nice to be able to see someone like, okay, this is what it would be like to sit down and have a conversation with this person before I have to, you know fill out all the paperwork and that sort of thing and show up in their office. So I love that. Um, but it can be really confusing. You know, it's such a, and when you're really needing it, oh my gosh, like adding in that confusion and just that, I don't know, kind of annoying process of trying to find someone can be really hard. Yeah, and, and I want to add to the, I wouldn't even call it stigma. Like, I also think it's good to have a therapist or a counselor. So I, my belief is everybody needs three things, a three C's, a, a community, Absolutely. a 
counselor and a coach. So I think you need to have this in your arsenal of resources in your life, just because I think even if, even if it's not really um, intense, but you just need someone else's skill set to help you unpack kind of what you're experiencing, what you're feeling, or if you're in a new season of life that you want to kind of get ahead. Um, I think everybody needs to have that resource, someone that they trust. Um, and so what would you say to look for the right counselor therapist, you know, for you, what would be some things I think that we could kind of find? Because there are different styles. Oh yeah. There are there are different skill sets within your realm. So maybe what would be some things when you're going on online, looking at videos, looking at their bios, what would be some things that we should, hey, this is what 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 I need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the first things is, I mean, just the differences of like psychiatrists, psychologists, you know, psychotherapists, it's like, what do you all do? <laughs> right. And so I would say first, psychiatrists, you know, if you're looking for to start on medication, that's where you're going to want to go. And because um, that's a medical doctor who can prescribe you medication. So that's important, right? You're also going to have that sit down, you know, there's going to be an assessment and there's going to be, but it's not, it's not quite the same. It's, it's more geared towards medication management, which is a very important thing. So even if you are taking that step, go ahead and take the step of also finding a, a therapist, right? Um, just because we want the combination of the two, not one, not the other, that especially for depression, anxiety, you know, some, some of those, it's, it's really the most helpful, right? So, um, and then the difference between, so that, and then a psychologist would be um, not a medical doctor. It's kind of, it's my role. So psychotherapist, but with a PhD. So they're a doctoral level, um, but they're providing the same service, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So, and I think what we kind of talked about yesterday, like what should we talk about? I think, um, again, if you're a, a family member, if you're a parent, uh, if you're an adult that's trying to help manage your own emotions, um, yeah. I, I thought it'd be good to kind of break down, you know, uh, if you do have a intense emotional moment, a you feel panicked or massive anxiety where it's hard to function, hard to operate, hard to get out of bed, hard to just do a normal task. So you're at like, you know, a level 10 out of 10. Um, what are some resources or some tools we, we, we can, we can use? So I want to clarify. So a 10 out of 10 could either mean, so I, I kind of think of two different things, right? 10 out of 10 being maybe crisis. Is that what you're referring to? Like, or just maybe, maybe uh, that, like you're feeling your body is uh, like, I can't, it's hard to breathe. I, I can't get out of this thing in my mind. I, I can't function. Um, I just don't think we're just, I, I've been through some therapy. I've been some training on some different things, but I don't think a lot of uh, adults, parents even know what to do in, yeah. in these moments. Gosh, I just came across such a good short talk. I think it was Ted Health. So I'm going to send that to you because it's on panic attacks and that's a really important mm -hmm. conversation. Um, but it just goes into it into more depth than we probably will be able to here today. But, um, but that is something you're going to run into, whether it's yourself, right? The vast majority of us at some point in our life are going to experience a panic attack or someone, you know, we're, we're going to be there as someone else is experiencing one. And so there's kind of two parts, right? It's like, you can, there are things that you can do and tools you can use 
for your own self to really like self-soothe. And um, the average panic attack lasts just under 10 to 12 minutes. And the really important thing for that person who's going through it, right? It can be so, right? You lose um, your kind of ability to breathe. You're breathing really fast and um, and your heart rate just skyrockets, right? It's a very physiological, it's a scary, scary, scary um, experience. And um, in those moments, it's important to know it has no way of harming you physically. So you feel like, right? I I am, it is harming me, right? But it it doesn't, it doesn't have any way internally, right? Of actually harming you. So it's a very tricky, tricky thing, right? So people, when, when you can, I guess, acknowledge that, okay, and, and notice, right? When someone is going through that to even remind them of that. Like this is going to last about 10 minutes. It's awful. I'm so sorry. Right. And when you do that, that you are keeping your own calm. Right. So if they're up here and they're so escalated, it's only, it's very natural to go, Oh my God, what's wrong? What's going on? Are you okay? Right. Which they won't be able to tell you right (laughs) when they're in it. And it may have a way of honestly kind of bumping it up a notch. So we want to help bring them um, to your calm state. So you can kind of almost model that for the person you're with that's in that. Okay. So you stay really calm and, and um, saying, Hey, can you, can you match my breath? Right. And then slow down your breath, breathing in through the nose and exhaling through the mouth. Right. And have them, it's almost like a challenge, right? They won't be able to at first, but in a couple of minutes, they should be able to really match your your breath and your calm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I know. Yeah, breath is a great tool. I think, uh, and just having the empathy and awareness not to tell them to calm down. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> in, in, in the history of telling someone to calm down, no one's ever calmed down. To just, just um, to model and mirror, um, just that 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 slowing it down, being here. I think I just learned something from you that just say this is not going to last. No. You're you're actually safe. You, your your body is going through something, but you're going to outlast this. So just let's just stay together. I'm here with you. Let's exactly. just slow down our breath. Um, are there are any other, um, again, I didn't want to just cover this. And then, because I know that therapy and counseling is not just these moments, but I just, for my learning, if I work with, you know, families, teams, coaches, like I, I'm getting educated as much as I can when these moments have, have happened, because again, this is just not really taught very often at all. Um, any mm-hmm. other resources or, or hotlines or phone numbers or, or websites that, you know, if someone, is looking for some more, some more, some more tools. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, not even just more, more tools, but especially in, in crisis. Um, I love that they've done this recently, but, um, they've changed it to uh, a really shortened number, right? So it's nine, eight, eight. So instead of nine, one, one, right. You can call nine, eight, eight. Okay. And so, and that's going to be the national, right. That's the suicide hotline. Okay. And then there's also text now which is 741741. So you can even just save that um, in your phone or even as a parent or a coach or anyone who's um, got a kid in their life, an athlete in their life, right? Someone um, just having that and also knowing you're local because we here in Tri-Cities, right? We actually have a great um, team. We have designated crisis responders who are master's level clinicians who are actually at the police departments. 
So people can call and they're stationed there, right? And they can call and say, I'm you know, this is a mental health crisis. We need someone there and they can go out with the police because sometimes that can, you know, police presence showing up in a moment like that can kind of escalate too. So I just love that we're kind of bridging that gap. It's been a long time coming um, where actual, you know, mental health professionals can be there in those moments of crisis when people really need them, right? Having thoughts of harming themselves or others, that sort of thing. So that's good. Well, everyone, okay, put 988 in your phone just as a yeah. safeguard precaution or text 741741. I think those are two good things just to have. Just you want to be ready in case something happens for yourself or those that you love. Um, okay, so, let's, uh, so I want to transition now and talk about like what topics are you passionate about? I know you were in Nashville this summer, keynoting, presenting to a large group, you know, and uh, <laughs> and let's just talk about like what what topics do you like to to serve? Like, is there an audience or a group that you're passionate about? And maybe what is what has drawn you to uh, that? You know what's so funny? That is just recently shifting in such a cool way. Um, so I'll just start in general. I see ages 15 and up, um, only individuals. I don't see couples or families or anything. Honestly, for me, it's just too much. Like having a whole family, I'm like, I can't track everything that's going on. Um, so I just love working with individuals. So um Let's see, I, when I very first started, I just kind of figured, right? I'm a woman, I love women, I love women's issues, right? Um, and it's just something that's very easy. It comes, you know, so easy for me to have conversations with women wherever they're at, whether it's relational issues, anxiety, depression, trauma that's maybe in the past or even current, um, all of that, right? And just more recently, it almost got to a point actually where I kind of was like, gosh, do I just say and kind of brand myself as only women, really? You know, my Instagram is really geared towards women. <laughs> I'll say that probably. <laughs> um, and then I just kept getting um, these male clients and doing just such incredible work. And I have just loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I think I, I will say, and I want to be careful in how I say this, but um, I think we have a real crisis right now in, in our, our boys and men and just, um, I don't know, I guess structurally, like as I look out, it's like we've lost a lot of compassion and a lot of grace and a lot of things that are, um, I don't know, men and, and boys just so, so deeply need we all need, right? That's a human thing. And for some reason that is, I don't know, confused. Right so now. so in, in this, in this group of, of clients you're seeing, like, what are the issues that, that they're, that they're asking for help with or what they're, that they've, you've helped them identify. Here's some, some challenges that I'm, I'm facing. And then are there any strategies that you've seen work? Yes. <laughs> but unfortunately right now, so what I am so excited about, I'm reading and taking some online trainings on IFS and that's internal family systems. And I mean, I'm just nerding out on it, but I'm at that point where I probably know just enough to be dangerous with it. Um, and I'm not certified, which I, I'm in like a, what do they call it? A lottery? No. Yeah. A lottery. You like, so you have to wait till your name's pulled to even get certified. So mm, I'm wow. 
could be in the fault, but it's just so, it's, it's truly amazing. It's a framework that honestly, I, I keep thinking this couldn't possibly work for everything. And it just keeps working for everything that my, that my clients come in with. And it's a lot. What, 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 what is it exactly? Yeah. So it's a lot of, um, it kind of stems from a belief that we all have parts. So if you think about, you know, kind of way back in the day, we may have said, okay, that's multiple personality disorder or something like that, which isn't even still, we don't call it that anymore anyways. Um, but it's, uh, it's like we have all these different parts and oftentimes these protector parts which they call managers or firefighters. I don't want to get into it too much, right? But it's like these protector parts became a part of us at a time of either trauma or really difficult time, which another thing is we're really learning that, um, you know, PTSD and, and any kind of trauma, it's, its effect, its impact on us is made so much greater by how alone we felt in the moment. So maybe not what exactly happened in the trauma itself, but it goes up right exponentially if you felt so alone in it. So going back to right in a moment of a panic attack, being able to be there with someone and saying, okay, we're going to ride this wave together. I'm right here, you know, because they're in it, but they're not alone. They don't have to add on that. Yeah. Which is a really cool thing. So going back to that, right? It's kind of like these, these parts came up um, to protect you in that moment, but then they're often like frozen in time. So oftentimes I'll be like, you know, it, it, someone will say, God, this is really holding me back. And I keep, you know, I'm so harsh on myself. I'm in it, my inner critic so strong, you know, all these things. Why, why am I doing this? I'm doing so great in all these other areas of my life. And then we'll find that it was literally a moment as a 12 year old where you were so alone and didn't know what to do and didn't right and didn't have um that support and that sort of thing and and then um anyways this is kind of a hard way to go about explaining it but it's like oh that part is like frozen in time right i've never heard it explained away that does make sense like it's just embedded and the issues are in the tissues. Great book for everyone to check out. The body keeps the score. Trauma is stored in your, in your body. Your cells have memory. And it's like, well, how can I, why do I feel this way? Well, you have it embedded for your own survival. Like you've experienced something that felt so scary and alone and you, heaven forbid, your brain's like, don't let that happen again. So I'm going to protect you. And a lot of times that protection is causing harm. Exactly. And I love that you say that because that is kind of the first step of how we get to know that is kind of going inward and in the body, like, oh my gosh, our bodies hold so much wisdom, so much wisdom. And it's like, okay, where do you feel that? How do you feel that? Bringing in kind of an, a somatic experience too helps us to connect with that part. And then it's amazing. Then they just go, I know exactly what well, it was. Yeah. You know, I, I have a, um, I have a, a mental and physical wellness coach. Uh -huh. um, she does um, hypnotherapy for me and in, in, in Reiki. She just, we go all over the place. Um, and she's like, Colin, you, you try to fix everything in your mind. You try to, you're pretty intelligent. You try to like figure it out and just think your way through it. But like, you got to go to your body and your body's telling you. Yes. And so I'm like, well, tell me, tell me about intuition. Tell me, how do I, have that feeling and how do I discern like what does this tell me I again I, I'm a student so I'm trying to figure this out like how can we get into our body to like learn about ourselves and 
what is this what is this experience tell me what can my past tell me what can I, what, what, what can I let go yeah. and some things I need to to remember you know so when we go into our body what are some things that that we could we could use and like learn and like know well, I love you sharing that because, oh my gosh, just, I have so many clients that are so right. They come in and just in the intellect, they're like, we can figure this out. We can figure this out. Right. Like it's like, it's a riddle or a puzzle. Right. And I love that. Cause it's like, that is what our brains are meant to do. Right. Like our heart pumps blood, like our lungs fill up with air and it, right. Our mind is always thinking and always working for us. And so we can like think that part, but if it's always an overdrive, right? It's almost like we need to find a little separation for moments and intentionally say, I need to check in with my emotions, right? I need to check in with my emotions. And actually, um, and when I say that, it's not just mad or sad, right? I'm not just angry, right? Anger is always as uh, a secondary emotion. Um, so there's always a primary underneath it. Okay, so getting really curious about, well, I'm not just angry right now. If I am, then I need to take a moment, take a couple breaths and ask myself, what am I really feeling? What's underneath this? Did something happen that's unfair? Am I discouraged? Am I feeling embarrassed, right? Some more emotions that might possibly be there. And then take, taking that a step further, where do I feel that in my body, right? Taking, a, taking just a quick scan, Ooh, that's held in my left shoulder. Weird, right? Every time I feel this, it's like, oh, that's on fire. Or I feel some kind of, you know, something in my chest or in my stomach, right? It's like, where is that? Where is that held? Yeah. Okay. So once we've identified that, and then what? Because I remember, so I did work with a trauma yeah. therapist about a year ago, and she's like, well, what's the emotion? Label it. What's the emotion? I'm like, it's going to be either loneliness, sadness, yeah. fear anger okay so i've identified it kind of um and i feel like crap so now what can i do yes what is your relationship with that emotion the ones that are the toughest for us and we're all unique in this way right but the ones that are toughest for us get really curious of what historically throughout your life throughout your childhood what was your relationship with that emotion right? Were you allowed to be sad? Were you allowed to be angry? A lot of girls, right? We're not allowed to be angry, right? We have to always be pleasant, <laughs> like be pleasant, be serving, be helping other, right? And be, make it all look easy and happy, right? So I'm, I'm just sharing one of mine. <laughs> so what is your relationship with that? Then it's going to be extra hard for me to know how to express my anger in a way that's, um, that's healthy, right? It doesn't hurt anyone too. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, I'm just That's using good. That as an example. No. no, yeah, it's true. I, um, I'm yeah. trying to think where I can take this. I can take this a few ways here. Um, are there any other like myths you want to debunk, or how to be part of the solution here? To, you know, we we talked about it before. You know, you go see the dentist twice a year like it's a checkup like and there's no no question your car you get your 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 oil changed every five to seven thousand miles um you get a you get a physical um yeah. once a year hopefully with your physician so from the mental health side i just think we should have some better systems for ourselves to make this kind of more normal but what other things should, should we should we know 
Oh my gosh, that's so good. Myths to debunk. I swear the media, movies, TV shows do such an awful job <laughs> of showing what we do. Every time there's a scene in some kind of movie, I'm going, oh no, everyone thinks that that's what we do. That's what you would expect. And um, I mean, there are exceptions to that, but it's where all these myths come from, right? People are scared. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't go to your office and lay on your couch. No, actually, oh. there have been times where that has, maybe there's a place for that. <laughs> when someone really needs rest and we're doing some kind of mindfulness meditation, for sure, that's fine. But that's exactly right. And I think, yeah, and just it being so cold or clinical or like, calculate it right it's like it should be a very warm space a very safe space right that you look forward to it's going to be we're going to be talking about really hard things sure but you should look forward to going in and talking with your therapist right absolutely yeah and, and so, I would also advocate with this conversation you can jump in here yeah not every therapist is right for you oh my gosh no I'm so, not well, just yeah well and it's just I think part of it is I, I have some friends or you know I did one session they go well and they're just well then find somebody else oh absolutely you know, so have the patience and I guess maybe know yourself or know what you're looking for and yeah. don't, don't don't just rule out this this life life-changing practice just because one experience wasn't wasn't right I wonder about C -c 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 correct um, yes I wonder what it is about this because I'm always like okay you've had a bad haircut before right <laughs> Did you just never cut your hair again? <laughs> like, no, you found someone who, who got it. They do the right thing, right? So um, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and even, it's even okay because we're all so different. We have different, you know, modalities and um, different ways of looking at a problem. And, and so you may even find that after six to eight sessions and you loved your therapist, but now you're not getting anywhere, right? So you did good work and you met your goals and everything and you'd still like to see someone, but maybe they're not a good fit anymore, okay? Like, that's okay. Break up, I say break up with your therapist, right? Like our work, we are always, it's very odd, but we are always working to be fired. Like mm -hmm. every single one of my, right? When I sit down with you, I'm like, how quickly, right? Is that eight to 10 sessions? Is that gonna be a little longer? Sometimes it's gonna be a year. But I look forward to the day where you go, okay, I'm done with you, right? That'll be an amazing day. So, and it's mm -hmm. something to be celebrated, but that doesn't mean, oh, you better not see someone else, right? You might just have a different issue that someone else can work with you so much better on and that's okay, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, well, and I also wanna use this time with you. Uh, again, we're trying to normalize these conversations, de debunk some myths. And another thing that I'm so curious about is plant-based journeys. Oh my gosh. And some some plant-based healing that is very clinical, very evidence-based. And it's some parts of the world taboo, some parts completely normal. Some cultures, it's completely part of their origin and their history. So I'm just going to open that box up and let you just run with it however you want. <laughs> 
I'm learning so much and I'm actually, I just signed up to um, go to the MAPS uh, conference in Denver at late June. I'm really looking, so I'm sure I'll learn so much there. Um, but just for me personally, I've known this, um, just, you know, the studies that are coming out on just how, how quickly, right? That's the thing. Um, some of these psychedelic medicines can really open up um, the mind in such ways that it would take years in talk therapy, right? Even with a good therapist. And, and so I get excited because, you know, watching someone just um, work towards that, but not be able to quite get there, right? Like psychedelics, um, psilocybin, especially MDMA for, um, for PTSD. Um, I mean, just all the, the studies are just showing, it's just incredible. Uh, what we're seeing as far as, honestly, depression and remission, right? Um, anxiety, panic attacks, you name it. Um, and so I personally got so curious that um, I, I did that myself. I did a, a therapeutic um, guided journey um, of psilocybin. It's good just because I can speak for, for me personally, I had already, I, I wasn't afraid of my own psyche, I guess in that way. So it was a really beautiful and, and helpful therapeutic journey. Uh, well, may, maybe give us some insight on what's going on with uh, your brain, with your, your cells, with your neurology, you know, when you go on a, that type of a, a journey, can you speak up from what you experience or what you know? Well, how, how did the, tell me what you felt before. And then when you got out of it, what perspective shift did you experience on how you see your environment and you, you see your, yourself isn't that what all this work is is I want to alter yeah. how I see myself how I connect with myself how I make sense of my past my present and how I see my, my future but also how I see the the world around me how I fit in and is the things happening to me or things happening for me all this stuff yeah. it sounds like what people are experiencing is they they came in one way and they came out totally different or oh. at least open open to to more this is possible for me. Yeah, I would say so both. Um, so Hoffman process, I came out of that really able to know my patterns, like my patterns. And actually, can you just tell them what the Hoffman, the Hoffman Institute is? Just really quick, the retreat, just before you explain what happened. I think, I don't know if anybody knows what that is. Yeah, the Hoffman process, it's a seven-day um retreat it's they say it's for people who are really ready for change so I went at a time in my life a few years ago when I was so ready for change just feeling really stuck it's like I have all these great things in my life but something's missing I don't know I just kind of this um yeah especially relationally I just knew I was stuck in some patterns and um and we get those from our moms and dads right our parents we pick up we either well, rebel yeah well I, I call it trauma drama daddy and mama but you can call that's, it something else that's exactly right that's exactly trauma drama daddy and mama that's perfect so um yeah so that for me I was able to do just so much work with those patterns that I kind of like stepped out of that process like oh I am not just a culmination I as a person right of just how I show up in the world and my, my patterns and how I think about things or behave, right? Like I'm so much more than that. Um, and so it kind of, 
it allowed me to step out of them when necessary, like, like the pattern of people pleasing, right? So it's just like, oh, okay. And I oftentimes when people pleasing, my goodness, you abandon self. And if mm-hmm. you're a long-term pattern of that, right? Oh, that's mm-hmm. so much abandonment of self. So I had some work to do, right? Wow. Gaining my own inner respect so that, right, myself, like I could trust myself again. Because I, I kind of had to apologize, right? I'm sorry. Like I've abandoned myself so many times. Um, that that's, yeah, that's one of the biggest things that I really got out of the Hoffman process, but they just provide so many tools that um, I've been able to continue with over the last few years. And it's just a really life-changing experience. So you, you hit the nail on the head with identifying patterns. We are on these just default subliminal habits and behaviors that are, are embedded into our subconscious. And we wonder why we're in these same challenges like why am I always in these modes why is this always happening because you are in these default patterns from your um from years and years of just being ingrained into how you receive love or how you think you're saving yourself but yeah I think got it I know we we talked about this I would I would like to check that that just uh on that journey of 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 awareness and growth um yeah it was the first time I like stepped on autopilot just like you're describing it was like, oh, yeah. You're so, yeah, so as human beings, we are being conditioned. We have this conditioning is about what we see here and experience. It's, it's happening since since childbirth, and especially that's rooting into your self-image sure. and your identity and how, how you experience give and receive love and, and, and worthiness. So I think, man, uh, we all could use some type of healing in, in, that, in that area. Um, but I'm looking at time. I, I want to make sure we're covering things. What else have we not covered that we, we need to kind of kind of talk about here? Yeah. Well, you had asked, so I kind of answered only. Did the Hoffman and then, then going into the, uh, yeah, the other part of it. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe break down the different uh, psychedelics. There's like the d- different plant-based journeys you can go on. There's a few, or maybe, maybe help, help us understand that too. Let's see. So psilocybin is the magic mushrooms, right? So, um, and then ayahuasca, uh, MDMA, I guess, isn't fully planned. Yeah, I guess that's not. <laughs> um, but LSD, right? So, and these are just um, opening up so many neural pathways at once, right? So it's like, it can really have a way of kind of how, you know, things that fire together, wire together, right? And so just like we're talking about those patterns of behavior, well, those are going to be well-grooved, well-grooved because they've fired and wired together, right? So many times for years and years and on a psychedelic journey, right? Those neural pathways really open up for other possibilities. So there was one that I experienced on a psychedelic journey where um, I always had this difficulty receiving compliments, okay? (laughs) So I don't know why, but I couldn't, right? If someone really wanted to give me this very genuine um, compliment or share how they see me or how I've impacted them, I almost like, it was like it hit a barrier and just like pinged off. Like I would say like, oh my gosh, I see that in you, you know? And I would just like give it back or try to, but I wouldn't really receive it. And I had this experience in the psychedelic journey that I thought for sure, it was kind of from 
my heart and it was just a lot of light. <laughs> this is gonna sound so silly, but I, I assumed in the moment, it was like how much love I had to give to the world or how much um, compassion, right? How I can meet others. I thought it was outward, right? Um, and then after that experience, ever since then, there was a total shift in how I was able to receive. Like mm -hmm. as soon as someone was, you know, gave me a call, I was like, whoa. And I took a moment and I like really took it in and was able to like receive that, um, which was just so powerful. It was really necessary for me too, right? Because people want to give you that. And it's important that you can, that you can receive it and kind of fill your own cup, right? Especially in the work you and I do. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I'm glad you, you saw that shift. And I wonder how much conditioning, you know, dancing at a, such a high level of being perfect with all your moves and being yeah. in sync with everybody else and getting criticized and, you know, um, that may have shaped some of that too, huh? Oh, absolutely. It did. Yeah. You got it. That perfect. Well, 100%. Well, do you have any questions for me? Anything we can collaborate together on to help the audience be, be their best? Ooh, that's an exciting thought. Um, I'm excited to, you know, a couple things that you and I have talked about is, um, is just how we can support boys and men, I guess, right yeah, now. I agree. Well, I, you said it, boys to men. I mean, I boys think how many, how many yeah. men have that little boy inside of them that's, damaging everything yeah. around them because they haven't properly healed mm, yeah. you know so i think step one is to is to heal that 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 little boy and um acknowledge that you know acknowledging what the needs are right well, the are needs are and well i love that you uh i mean it's kind of when you're harming other people it's like there, there's this abandonment of self and and no inner inner, inner self-respect or awareness on that projecting you know pain that's not properly processed gets projected yeah. yeah as you know so i think step one of i think i work with a lot of young, young males you know in their teens and 20s 30s whether athletes or salespeople or all across the board leaders yeah and i think step one of this process um that we're talking about young men um is this what it means to truly have a healthy love for, for yourself Mm -hmm. and and not uh seek it in ways that are just harmful mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that right <laughs> Crazy. and kind of how you're saying that it's that's exactly right not even you either project it or i often see right if you don't feel it and you don't heal it you recreate it you don't even mean to right sometimes it's like <laughs> you don't even see it as you're doing it but you're recreating some of the pain yeah yeah if you don't if you don't feel you won't heal so i think they a lot of people suppress the pain and um if you don't acknowledge it allow it to to clear and and go through the journey of feeling the hurt feeling the abandonment and acknowledging it and saying that sucks that was horrible you don't deserve that but we're gonna let that clear okay. and um and just the word pain pay attention inward like mm -hmm. let the let the pain feel it so then you can clear it yeah but katie oh, you're you're amazing I, i'm um i'm grateful for you i'm excited for you um i i again i we've had conversations over this past year and i can just uh, feel the energy i can just feel just how how clear 
your your role is in this and, and what you bring and how many people you can help, you have helped and, and you will help. So it's just giving you the right platform. So hopefully this is the first of, of many conversations. Yes. Oh, I look forward to them. Thank you so cool. much. Well, well where, where can people find you? Uh, so my website is Katie Haynes. So Haynes is spelled H-A-Y-N-E-S dot co. And then my Instagram is the same. So at katiehaynes.co. Love it. Well, team, if you like this episode, uh, please share it. Uh, give us some love on, on social media. Give us a like, a review. And Katie, we end every single episode with this truth. The body has limits, but the mind is limitless. Awesome job. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Go Cougs. Go Cougs. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 